Good morning. The first reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9, can be found on page 1161 in your pew Bible. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the, at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, nor, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. Do, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly... Do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. The reading of God, the people of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Holy and gracious Lord, we come into your presence today 
the only place that we can find rest for our souls and peace and hope, love and joy. Meet us today, O God, for our good and for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So it was the first Advent in my very first church appointment. Two little country churches in the northwestern part of the state. And you know, Advent into the Christmas season is one of the biggest times in the life of the church. And so I was eager to make a good impression on my new flock. And so one of the congregations I served, there were a couple little like church mouse ladies, we called them. Who like, they would just kind of show up and things would happen. And nobody would know about it, but things would get done. And so they would show up and they would put the the greens out and the trees out and the nativity out in front of the church and set up the spotlight so that at night the time would come on and and, uh, you'd see the nativity. And so when you came into this church, you would walk in through the basement and then go up the stairs to the sanctuary. And the ladies would put this big, beautiful tree. Now this was the Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent. And so, but they would set this one tree out near the stairwell to go to the sanctuary, and they would put chrismons on it and um, little uh, ornaments that had like a Bible verse or a peace dove or something or a cross. And so I got there Saturday morning to get a few things ready for Sunday, and the tree was really close to that stairwell. And I thought, I'm just going to move it over a little bit to make sure that, you know, people's access into the sanctuary is, is uh, unimpeded by this beautiful tree. And so I did, and uh, I slowly started to move it. And I thought, boy, this is heavy. For a fake tree, it was a bit deceiving. So I got down, and I started to shove it. And then all of a sudden, I could just feel the center of gravity of this tree start to shift. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> Here it is. That thing came crashing down. There were glass bulbs on that that shattered. Oh, no. So I just kind of sat there and I thought, you know what? If I just leave right now and show up tomorrow tomorrow morning and act just as shocked as everybody else, well, that, no, my, my conscience got the best of me. So I called Karen. Karen lived two doors down from the church and she was one of those church mice. I said, Karen... I've made a mess. So she started to laugh, and then she said, don't touch anything else. I'll be right over. So Karen had called a couple other people, and one guy with a big old wet shop vac, and they came in, and they they cleaned up. And I remember what I said to her as they were cleaning up. I said, Karen, oh, I can't believe this. I said, I thought I had made a mess that was too big to clean up. And she chuckled and she said, I got these guys to do all the work, it's fine. But you know, I thought about that and I still think about what I said and how I felt in that moment. And friends, that is the message of this season. And it's something called sin. You know, we talk this time of year about Jesus is the reason for the season. Maybe some of you have that button. And that's wonderful. And in some way, yes, Jesus is the reason for every season, isn't he? But I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm going to say it's not so much that Jesus is the reason for the season. Sin is the reason for the season. That's why Jesus had to come. Because we have made a mess that is too big to clean up. That is the state we find ourselves in. It goes down to our very bones. It's the environment in which every person in the human race is born. A fundamental orientation away from the things of God. 
The mess is too big for any one of us to clean up. And so we need someone who can clean us up. And that's why God, in a time and place through a particular people, stepped into history to clean us up. The readings today that we heard uh, read for us, uh, Carol read for us, and the, reason, this, the readings during the season of Advent are so counterintuitive to the messages all around us of happiness and joy and Christmas and people are rushing headlong into the season. And the church says, wait a minute. There's darkness all around us. There's sin all around us. We find ourselves in a hopeless state if it were not for the incarnation of God into human history. And we hear readings of people longing with expectation for hope, for God to do something about the mess that has been made. The people of Israel who were taken away into captivity, longing for a day where God would make things right, where He would restore them, where He would give them peace and justice once again. And that echoes all down through history. The people of God at times and places have longed for God. They've lived between the two advents, the first coming and the second coming. And we live in this time where we raise our voices with the prophet Isaiah and we say, how long, O Lord? How long? When will you tear open the heavens and come down? You see, during Advent, we hold on to two things, memory and hope. We remember, and we will celebrate in a few weeks, we remember what God has done for us through Christ, of coming into the world, the incarnation of God. And we hold on to hope that one day, what Christ has promised to do will indeed happen, that he will come again in righteousness, in glory, in mercy and in judgment. So what does it mean for us to live in between this? To hold on to memory and to hope. Hope that is more than just longing. Hope that is grounded in certainty. Because it it is an inalienable part of God's nature to keep His promises. He will do what He has said He will do. And he will return to set everything right. But in this time of brokenness, where the mess around us all the time seems beyond our witness, what do we do? What does that look like for the people of God? It looks like Paul and Silas leading their Philippian jailer to Christ. It looks like the martyrs of the church who went to their death with their faces turned toward heaven glowing brightly. It looks like Corey Ten Boom that great survivor of the concentration camps and a Christian woman extending a handshake to her Nazi jailer and offering forgiveness. That's what living in between, holding on to memory and to hope looks like. Looks like Martin Luther King holding on to his Christian faith while dogs are put upon him and fire hoses are beating him in the face. It looks like the parents of murdered Amish school children making meals and offering comfort to the parents and the widow of the man who had killed their children just hours after it happened, eschewing hatred and retribution and instead holding on to love and reconciliation. That's what it looks like. It looks like the daughter 
of one of our very own who was killed in a car crash two years ago on Mother's Day by a driver who was high on fentanyl. And on Friday, at this woman's sentencing, the daughter looked at the woman who killed Nancy Penrod and said, I forgive you and I want you to know Jesus. That's what it looks like. Living between memory and hope. Believing, yes, there is a mess all around us and it's overwhelming at times, but we are not left without hope because someone came into the world who can redeem even the darkest situations in our lives and who can give us hope to carry on. Friends, Christians are not afraid of the darkness around us. We look right at it because we know that it will not win, that it does not have the final word. We know that there is one who stepped into history and through his incarnation, through his life, through his death and his resurrection and his ascension, who now sits and lives and reigns at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And it is because of all of that that we can look into the darkness. We can look at the brokenness. We can see the mess around us. And as painful as it is right now, we know that there is one who has conquered it who has defeated it. And we can live between memory and hope. Amen? Amen.